0: And as we think about all this, you know, to improve the patient experience, we don't want to sacrifice what, you know, we don't want to give more work to nurses. We don't want to give more work to doctors.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to HIMSScast. My name is Mike Milliard and I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News. We'll be speaking today about patient experience and patient safety and how they can be improved in the hospital setting by taking a more human-centered approach and embracing some new and innovative processes and technologies. My guest today is Rebecca Pinn, who's the Director of Innovation Strategy at EPAM Continuum. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's great to have you. You know, before we kind of get into this, tell me just a bit about yourself, perhaps, and the work you do at EPAM and, and, and some of the design questions that you're interested in.
0: Sure. So I work at EPAM, which is one of the fastest growing technology services providers in the world. And I'm specifically part of the innovation group. And what we do is help clients address some of their complex business challenges and think about how they can really understand, deeply understand the problems of their target users, how to identify those right opportunities, and then bring new products, services, and solutions and experiences to life.
1: So, you know, I know you've got a personal story that we'll get into in just a bit, but you know, when we talk about hospital stays, you know, in your research, what are generally speaking, some of the experience improvements that, that could happen there? You know, what are some of the pain points for patients and what are some of the things that hospital technology leaders and again, clinicians could be thinking about in terms of um, improving the way patients experience a hospital stay?
0: Yeah. So I think we first should take a step back. No one ever wants to be in a hospital. It's very stressful for a patient, for their caregiver, for their family, whoever it might be. So there's already a very tense situation of a lot of anxiety. Um, And then when you're in the hospital, you're in this uncomfortable, unknown place So you're not sleeping well. And then, you know, people are checking your vitals. So you have to be woken up all the time. Um, You're getting all these doctor speak coming at you and you're trying to understand what does it all mean? Um, So there's, there's a lot that you don't know going into it because you never want to be there. It's never something you're looking, you know, it's not a trip you're planning for. It's, it's something that happens to you and it, it happens at you a lot of the time.
1: How should, you know, hospital administrators be thinking differently then again about how that they approach their patients? Um, and maybe a way to frame this is to talk about your own stay. I know you, during your pregnancy, you were in the hospital for, for about a month, weren't you?
0: Yeah. So during my hospital stay, uh, well, it started, um, at 28 weeks and five days, uh, pregnant, I was diagnosed with severe preeclampsia. So, um, I didn't have any of those risk factors going into my pregnancy. It came as a shock to me and in triage, Uh, the nurses later told me like what's this healthy woman doing in the hospital but you know i was never been in a hospital before overnight um so uh, i was there for 31 days in antepartum so the unit where they take care of women um pre -pre pre-birth um and you know throughout that entire stay i was really spending time talking to the nurses talking to the doctors you know, it's kind of boring there. So I've sort of made a little mini project as I was staying and trying to understand, you know, what are their goals? What are they trying to do? What are they balancing? And then thinking about my own experience where, like I mentioned earlier, I'm lying, you know, trying to sleep and I'm, I'm lying in bed. And all of a sudden someone's waking me up at 2.00 AM. Cause we need to you know, test my blood pressure again, which again is really important with preeclampsia, because if my blood pressure is out of control, it has all these other implications. Um, other things that, you know, I started talking about with the nurses and the doctors was, they're just trying to manage so many patients and they're trying to make sure that they're all being taken care of appropriately. And I was very fortunate for a lot of my stay. I was very healthy. Um, we were able to manage my blood pressure. So I wouldn't see the attending outside of the morning, but then I, the same time I was worried, or do they know my case is going on? What if something, you know, goes wrong, um, but they're managing by exception. They're thinking about who are the patients that need our critical care now. Um, when I was first admitted, I was one of those patients and then I stabilized and it just became, they see me in the morning. But as I talked to other people and coworkers who've had experiences in the hospital, they also commented that they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know when they'd see the doctor. So thinking about that. And then the other thing, and this is a, an ongoing issue, both in hospital stays and out of hospital stays, as medical records become extremely accessible, how do we make sure that patients are interpreting them properly? So the big one um, I remember during my C-section was they say, "Okay, we're gonna have a timeout," and then I, you know, I was thinking back to that of like it's it's kind of a funny term because when you're a kid, timeout's a really bad thing. You're in trouble. You were misbehaving. For doctors, it's just to make sure that like, okay, let's take a pause point. Make sure this is the right patient. We're doing the right procedure on the right part of the body. Um, and I was reading an article again while I was staying in the hospital about it. That one patient thought she was in trouble, that she did something wrong because the medical note said time out. Um, and as we think about all this, you know, to improve the patient experience, we don't want to sacrifice what, you know, we don't wanna give more work to nurses. We don't wanna give more work to doctors. So it's always that balance of creating a great experience for the patients, but making sure it doesn't come at the cost of the provider experience.
1: Um. You know, let's talk about the provider experience just briefly before we, we, we talk about the patient experience, because um, both are critically important. I mean, we, we used to talk about the, the triple aim here in healthcare. I don't know if, if, you, if you're familiar with that concept, but, um, you know, quality, cost, and access, and, and recently they've kind of made it the quadruple aim as, as they talk about provider experience and patient experience as well. Um, and we've seen, you know, it's not just about ensuring, you know, a, a, a good experience for the clinicians, I mean, it has real patient safety implications as well. Uh, especially during the past two years, which where where clinicians have been severely overburdened and severely overworked, and um, and they just got so much going on. So, what are some of the you know pain points you were seeing as you spoke to the nurses and the clinicians at the hospital? You know, what were some of the things they were saying to you?
0: I think it was the managing the caseload, the amount of patients. You know, there's a lot of patients coming in. Um, specifically, you know, again, very pregnancy oriented. But I know that when I was talking to the attendings as they they came by, they they're not only managing everyone in the labor and delivery floor, but they're managing any patient with COVID. So not only are they trying to manage the patients they're typically managing in their part of the hospital, but they're going all over the hospital now and to manage all those patients. So I think it's just, I mean, I can't imagine the stress that the providers have been going through the last two years. I, I was in the hospital during the window right before Delta. So I didn't see it sort of pop back up. I, and, you know, I'm in Boston, which uh, has had a pretty good handle on the, the pandemic, are on COVID, I should say, um, but I think it's, you know, they, they're they trying to do their best to take care of patients. They're trying to manage them as best they can, but they're, there's only so many nurses and there's always more patients coming in and every patient is really different. Um, and I'm sure that they're repeating the same things over, saying the same things over and over, trying to provide the best care. Um, they're writing their notes. Um, you know, I like to think I was a good patient, but not every patient's the, the greatest patient. You know, some people are, um, probably a little bit more stressful to handle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I was in the labor and delivery floor and that's a very joyous floor in the hospital. And I'm sure it's very different in other parts of the hospital. If you're in, you know, cardiac or, or places that might be quite frankly, more depressing. You know, I think about the mental health of a lot of providers, there's a lot of burnout going on. Um, yes. labor delivery is great. You know, babies are being born. Everyone loves that. Um, other parts of the hospital are, are probably a lot tougher.
1: Yes, burnout is a huge challenge, and we're seeing, you know, the workforce uh, taking a hit as well as more folks are, are leaving the profession, frankly, and making it harder on, the, on those who stay behind. Talk a bit about your stay then. You know, so you mentioned sleep, for instance, uh, not uh, an unimportant, you know, thing to do for a patient who's trying to stay healthy and, re- and recover, um, but, you know, the, these vitals checks are, are also crucial, and, and, you know, interrupting the sleep has been sort of a necessary evil for a while, but... You know, you wrote a, a very fascinating blog post on the Continuum um, website. And, you know, what are some of the technologies you think could help, you know, at least around the edges uh, when it comes to getting a good night's sleep?
0: Yeah, I think as we think about what is being used in the consumer world, people are very comfortable with wearables. You know, everyone's got an Apple Watch or a Fitbit. I think it's not, it doesn't feel very alien anymore and people feel very comfortable wearing those things all the time. And I was a little surprised that it hasn't been incorporated already because I, you know, we think about, it's just so part of our lives that why isn't this technology being incorporated? And then I think, you know, as we were talking to colleagues, there's there's probably lower tech solutions as well. Just understanding the, like monitoring the room and understand when someone getting out of bed, knowing, you know, if a patient's already up, can we utilize that time better? So there's the extreme of monitoring the patient, the vitals specifically, but then there's also, maybe we just need to monitor the room. And if there's a lot of movement happening in the room, we can use that time, utilize that time to check on their vitals and not have to wake them up because- you know, you never know patients wake up in the middle of the night people do. So maybe it's a combination of the two, but again, this, this technology exists and it'll be a great way to start incorporating it. And also knowing, knowing that, um, I remember asking one of the night nurses, why do you like being a night nerd? You know, why do you like working the night shift? And she said, I get a lot done. So imagine all the more work they could get done. If it's more of a managing by exception, we know, we see all the vitals coming in and if there's any exceptions or if there's any peaks, we can really go and focus on the patients who need it. Cause right now every single patient is getting those vitals checked, which again are extremely important, but if they're fine, do they need to get it done? Do they need to have a nurse come in every four hours or could that be passively collected? And then anytime there's a spike, that's when they start bringing in the attending and bringing in the nurses and getting that attention that they need.
1: Absolutely. Medical records you mentioned as well. Um, I and one of the folks out there who have made the mistake before of logging into their patient portal and reading, you know clinical notes from my doc who that I did not understand or perhaps were a bit scary in the in the terminology. And you know uh, it happens as patients get access to their you know to their portals um, so quickly before the clinician has a chance to talk before their doctor has a chance to talk to them. Um, what are some, you know, ideas that you, you know, were musing about perhaps is when it comes to, um, translating some of that, uh, medical jargon into, into language that patients can understand.
0: Yeah. I think the first that would be really interesting is just using, uh, machine learning to basically have the doctor version, like the doctor writes up the notes. They don't, they shouldn't have to worry about the patient reading it. They should worry about being medically accurate and then using machine learning to create a patient interpretation. Like how should the patient read this? Because we don't want, first of all, I don't think doctors love writing the notes in the the EMR system anyway, but we don't want to double their work or triple their work. We really want them focusing on making sure everything is accurate. And then can we use machine learning to create that um, patient version? And then I think there's also other things I think about, um, you know, I I put it in the blog post as well, but this idea that there are certain words that might be misconstrued, can we call out and define those? Can we basically say, you know, like a underline it and you like a hyperlink of like, what is a timeout, you know, I said timeout for, what does a timeout mean? Um, in a medical setting and how that could work. Um, you know I think it's also really interesting because you you get like you said, you get some of these um, results before your doctor and I know in pregnancy specifically, everything is abnormal. Like when you're pregnant, every, every chart and every result you get is slightly abnormal. And what a, doctors are really great at is providing that context. Um, and so the more we can utilize mach, um, machine learning and AI to help provide some of that context for a patient, Um, So they don't look at their medical records and and start freaking out from a test result because, you know, everything's pretty standard and how we start personalizing it. So it's sort of like, yes, this is out of bounds of normal, but because you're pregnant, this is actually what normal looks like.
1: And you talk, you know, interestingly about, you know, ways to use smartphones and TVs to to kind of communicate to patients that they're being cared for. You know, you mentioned the the necessity of, of clinicians Triaging the patients who who need the most care and and sometimes you know frankly you know you you can feel ignored sometimes in, in a hospital setting as, as as docs are rushing around so what are some uh technologies you see being helpful there
0: so I know one big thing that was interesting is the big thing in your entertainment in your room is your television and i know there's you know in labor delivery there's a great channel on like baby care and things like that but what if we start using that television to communicate more to patients about specifically what's happening during they, their stay what specific tests are we monitoring that are important because when you you come into the hospital the, the whole experience especially in triage is such a daze like it, it's an out of body experience you're like this isn't real you know especially with pregnancy i was like this should ideally be a very calm time and a very exciting time. And all of a sudden it took a really sharp turn and there's so much happening. You, you don't really know what's going on. And so you could you don't even know what questions to ask. So utilizing the TV in the room. So even just, Hey, these are the key things that we're measuring, you know, your blood pressure is a key, a key one, making sure all your, your, um, your liver is functioning well, because that's a, that's a key indicator if you go into organ failure with preeclampsia. So utilizing the screens and the television also thinking about, you know, they tell you they'll show up. That that when they show up is a very broad range. So they're doing morning rounds. That could be 8 a.m. That could be 10 a.m. And quite frankly, you're in a hospital. You don't have a lot going on. Your 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 goal and your job is to get well. But how do we better um, help people think about or help patients understand when a doctor might see them? So you know, I think about a bus stops or um, when I'm taking the T in Boston. It says you know the train is two stops away. It's not telling you exactly what time, but you have a sense of like okay they'll be here soon. Um, You know, I also, I'm again, thinking about provider experience. We don't want providers to feel like they're being watched too heavily, but, you know, making sure that they feel the flexibility and comfort of being around the hospital, but also at the same time, letting patients know like you're, you're coming to you, they'll be there. Um, They just need to see other patients right now.
1: So as you were spending 31 days you know getting to know these clinicians and and, you know taking notes and, and asking them about their pain points I mean did you mention any of these you know tools to them and, and what was their response so
0: um, I actually sent the article a week ago to the um, attending who both admitted me at the b- day zero and then delivered my child at day 31 um, and she thought it was really interesting I um, you know I think it I wasn't really I wasn't really in ideation mode when I was in the hospital. Sure. I, was, I was more like thinking about, I'm really tired and I know this is only gonna get worse when my kid's born. I wish I could sleep a little bit longer. Um, but she thought the article was really fascinating and interesting and um, again, I, I hope, the goal of this was, I mean, I had wonderful care. I'm always forever grateful of the care I received in the hospital. It's always about how do we use technology to really enhance what people do and support them and alleviate them in any way possible.
1: You know, as you think about some of this stuff, I mean, hospitals are paying more attention to patient experience, I think, certainly more than they did even just 10 years or so ago. But as, the, you know, let's say some innovation, you know, teams out there take your advice and, and decide to deploy some of this stuff. Do you have any advice from a patient perspective on how to do it well uh, and and make sure that it's not just, you know, some consumer tools that they kind of throw out there and, and you know, that they're actually used and actually do improve the, the patient's stay?
0: Yeah, my my view, and, and maybe this is because this is what I love to do every day, it's what is what is the problem? What is the meaningful problem that we need to solve? And why is it important that we solve it? And once you identify that meaningful problem and where there's an opportunity, so we identified the problem, why do we want to change it? Why do we want to make it better? The ideas flow from there. But once you have that really meaty problem that solves that patient need, Um, ideas will will flow and then technology can always be used to support it. But I'm always all about getting to know the users in this case. with healthcare, it's always about patients and providers really getting to know their experience, what they're going through both functionally and emotionally, and um, making sure you identify those meaningful problems to solve.
1: Well put. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us today. This has been a terrific conversation. I really appreciate your insights.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And thanks, of course, to the audience for listening to this episode of HymnsCast. Uh, We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play.